Okay, um, today we are in week eight of our series going through the book of Colossians, and I've entitled this morning's lesson, Mysteries of God are Revealed in His Word, and you'll see why I'm focusing on that term mysteries in just a little while. Um, as always, we do a little bit of review before we start. I'm not going to do an in-depth review as we get more and more weeks behind us. It's going to be a little quicker. But the book of Colossians is Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, a place that he never visited, but yet felt strongly attached to that body there in Colossae. And that is in Turkey, which is in the news right now, as we know, for invading Syria. Colossae is near Laodicea. You maybe can't see it on the map very well there because it's small, but they are close by and you're more familiar Laodicea. This location is probably a good thousand miles or at least several hundred miles away from that border that is in the news right now. And the purpose of that letter was to address false teaching and to encourage the church there in Colossae. Little bit of quick review. The true gospel yields good fruit. That was the very beginning uh, of, of this series. We addressed that. And then we talked about praying for wisdom and understanding for ourselves and for others. Next, we had a couple weeks on affirming the preeminence and supremacy of Christ. Uh, last week and last couple, we talked about how we were once enemies of God and now we're called to suffer and serve with him. There's something I'm going to insert in here, not a major, um, it wasn't part of today's lesson, but I want to insert it because someone raised a question with me about one of the earlier times I taught, and I want to clarify something this morning. You may remember I had this slide up, and we've been talking about how the gospel bears fruit. Every week we talk about that as part of our review, but a question was asked to me about this slide where we said you hear the gospel. This is what I said the first time. You understand it, and you believe it, and it bears fruit. The question that came up to me is which of these comes first? The understanding, can you understand the gospel really before you have faith in Christ or before you believe it? You know, First uh, Corinthians chapter 2 talks about the person who does not have the spirit, God's word is foolishness to them, right? That's what First Corinthians chapter 2 teaches. And so the person asked the question, are these out of order, really? And with respect to the way the word understand is used in the text, without a lot of time being spent on this, I want to clarify, okay, because this is what I think is more true to Scripture. You hear the word being preached. You intellectually can grasp what it is saying. You know what it is saying. But it is still foolishness. You are still unsaved before that born-again experience takes place and before you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, before God gives you that gift of faith, before you believe it, it is foolishness. But after that born-again experience, after you are now having the Spirit to guide you in understanding, then the word understand, as 
really used within the text that we were looking at makes sense. Only then can you spiritually discern the word of God. So the person who, I was using the term understand to be more representative of that intellectual grasping of what it is saying. And so by someone coming to me, it showed me that a better explanation of what was really taking place is shown on this chart than on what we had before. And not time to discuss this today. If anybody wants to talk to me about that, I'd be happy to do that. So let's, let's get past that and let's get into what today's lesson is about. Today we're going to be talking, well first, you know, every week we try to use Bible tools and, and we try to explain how we've been using them in this lesson. Uh, today we're going to be looking at a Bible dictionary, concordance, and lexicons, okay, and we'll talk about all those in a, in a bit. And we're going to be talking today about how Paul reveals God's hidden mysteries about Christ and the church in his letter to the Colossians and other letters although we're not going to focus on the other letters. You and your discussion may look at some of those other letters. We're going to talk a little bit about counterfeit mysteries that were both in existence at the time of Paul's writing to this church and today and how they can confuse and distract us from truth. And then we're going to talk about staying connected with Christ and what a necessity that is in the lives of believers. First, we're going to uh, read through there's several verses today, more than maybe some of the other lessons. We're going to read through them all, then we're going to come back and focus on some of the points in the, these passages. So I'll read through this sort of as an introduction uh, to this, some of the verses that precede the beginning of uh, Colossians 1, 26, explains how Paul was chosen by God to reveal, that's a paraphrase, uh, chosen to reveal the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. For him, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, as she said, which is just up the river, and for all those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible, means another translation, fine-sounding arguments. For although I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That's a lot of verses. We're going to come back and focus on certain points that were included here. First, mystery is shown in these verses several times, the word mystery. And Paul was chosen by God to reveal the mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To 
reveal the glory of this mystery. And Paul is struggling to help them to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Next week, in that same uh, little passage, we're going to focus, not me, Brian Pinstrom is going to be teaching, and he's going to focus on these two things that are highlighted in blue, Christ in you and you in Christ. That's going to be the focus of next week, so today I'm not going to do that. There's some additional verses that he'll add into his teaching tomorrow, I mean next week as well. So we'll kind of skip over that as something that we'll delve into in any more detail this morning. In three weeks, I'm going to be back, and I am going to talk about this one that I'm also going to skip over that's part of this passage because it will fit better to combine it with something else that comes a little later. This verse 4, 2, 4, which says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with these plausible or fine-sounding arguments. There's some additional teaching that comes a little bit later that this verse fits much better with, so I will combine it with that when I come back in three weeks. So you'll wonder why, well, we aren't talking about each one of these things today. It's because they'll be better taught about combined with something else later. We are going to talk about this, though, as, as our two main talking points today. We're going to talk about this command that we have to walk in him and to be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. That's going to be the second main point we hit on today. Okay, Every, most of the other teachers are modern, and I'm not. Okay, I still like the big, heavy concordance. I weighed it just because, you know, some of you, you're not going to want to <coughs> be reading the concordance while you're laying in bed because it's just, it's going to crush you. <laughs> you know, it, it really doesn't weigh as much as you think it does. It's only eight pounds. <laughs> to some of you, that may be a lot, but uh, to some of you, it'd be easily, more easily handled. <coughs> I also want to mention, you see the name of this concordance? I've been an NIV person going way back, although I do use other translations. So I don't even know when it was, Robin, that you and Lucas bought me this for a present, this big concordance. But it's at least 20 years ago, probably, that I got this. And you notice it's not Strong's Concordance. It's the NIV Exhaustive Concordance. It's also a lexicon. And by a lexicon, it has the uh, <coughs> Hebrew to English, Greek to English, Aramaic to English, all those things that you need in this same book to be able to go back to the original language, especially if you're doing a word study. And these, this was written, this one, in 1990. Strong's, anybody got any idea how old the first Strong's Concordance, Exhaustive Concordance and Lexicon? 1890. Now, it's had four updates since then. I mean, the NIV's had an update. I still use the original NIV, which is, to me, way better than the more modern translations, which have uh, taken away some of the maleness, as an example, that uh, if you look at the most recent edition, 
article or version of the NIV, you'll see some changes that were made um, <coughs> to never, not never, but to say instead of men, it would say, say something that obviously included women. Um, but this is the older one, relates back to the original NIV. We're also going to use a, uh, this Bible dictionary, which goes with the NIV. So I have these two handy, heavy books that, um, that support my old NIV when I'm doing studies that are still in the NIV. You can probably buy similar um, books like this for other translations that are specifically for that. Uh, I will also say that I, I'm, I can't say this is superior to Strong's or not. I've never done an evaluation myself or even read commentaries. I know this works really well for me. And you'll see a little bit about how we use it this morning because I'm going to blow up some things from it. We're going to use these two books today uh, to show you how I have used them, at least partially, to look at this word study on the word mystery. It was four times in the passage we looked at today that the term mystery was used. So first, considering the Bible dictionary, it's, it's a Greek word. The Greek word, we're looking mainly at only the New Testament today, but you'll see too when we delve in, um, mystery is in the Old Testament some, and you'll see that in a minute. But in the New Testament, this Greek word mysterion, or if I'm pronouncing that correct, is used 27 times in the NIV in the New Testament. And it's always associated with a verb of revelation or proclamation, like the mystery was revealed or proclaimed. Okay, it always goes with that. Mystery is being now explained, revealed to us. So it always goes together. And in the Bible dictionary, I'm summarizing this, but here are three possible definitions the way mystery is used in the Bible to mean one of these three things. First, something revealed that was not previously hidden. For example, it was not in the Old Testament but it is in the New Testament. So God revealed something in his timing. There's a certain time when it was right to reveal it. And that's what that first definition means. It can also mean something about God that humans cannot completely comprehend. For example, the depths of his love. We cannot truly understand that mystery, the depth of his love. <coughs> or the third one is something about God that cannot be logically understood, like the Trinity. It is sort of a mystery to us. We know it's true, but we, we may know that it is a real thing, but it's hard for us to logically understand the Trinity. Okay, so that's three possible definitions for that word mysterion. And this is the one we're really talking about today, that first one. Something revealed that was previously hidden. So keep that definition in mind as we go into this and as you'll have a time of discussion on this idea. Okay, here, in, when I say GK, exhaustive concordance, that's my big book. And why do we use this GK? It is to um, summarize, I mean, it's the two names of the authors, Edward Good. Goodrick and John Kohlenberger. They're the authors who, who wrote it. 
what I've done is I've blown up, if you go to mystery, typical concordance, you go to mystery, and here's all the times that mystery is in the NIV. And there are 25 times you can see that on there. And I know this is on your handout today, and I thought you might be able to read, but unless you got really good eyes, I don't think you're going to be able to. Can anybody in here, do you have good enough eyes from your handout to read? <laughs> Not even you young folks. It's only about font three or two. Anyway, this is what it shows when you open up the page to mystery. Now, there's some things I want to point out on here because a normal concordance wouldn't have those numbers over on, it would be on the right side of, of that. And, and let's talk about what those numbers mean, okay? First, you can see all the places where it shows up. And you call them GK numbers. And what it refers to is the biblical language index lexicon. It just means where can I find that in either, was it a Hebrew word? Was it a Greek word? Was it an Aramaic word? And here's the way this concordance works. And every one is probably a little bit different. I'm not positive whether Strong's would be a different thing. I'm sure it would be different, but they would explain that. So in using your concordance, you need to know what that number really means. In my big concordance that you saw, if it's a one to four digit number, it means it's Hebrew or Greek, one or the other, but if it's in italic, it is Greek. Okay, can, maybe you can see this, that the numbers, most of those ones that, that are all in the New Testament, it's 3696 and it is italic. That means it's Greek. Okay, that means it is a Greek word, but if you look up above, you see it's 10661. That is a five-digit number, which means it's Aramaic. Did you know, see most of those are Daniel. Did you know Daniel was Aramaic in the original language written? Not Hebrew. It later got translated into Hebrew, but it was originally Aramaic. So if it's a five-digit number, it's always Aramaic. So you only have those three choices, the Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic. But now you want to look that up. The one we are caring most about, this oh, there is this other designation, NIG, means it's not available in the Greek. I, I didn't study that further, so I'm not able to comment much on that. But uh, I at least want to point out there is at least one of those references that the original Greek did not use that word is what that would mean. But I don't know much more about how to use that and research it um, further. I did not research it further. But let's look now because what I wanted to do is I wanted to go back to the original language for this uh, word. So I go back to the Greek to English lexicon. Oh, first I guess I, had, I already told that to you, that the uh, Daniel was originally in Aramaic. Okay, this page, I turned, it's further in the back, it's the Greek part of the back. Here's the word mysterion. 
3696, <coughs> and this shows how that word has been translated in the NIV. 20 times it is mystery or mysteries. Not every time. You see, sometimes it's translated as secret or secrets or deep truths. The same Greek word. Why is it translated differently? I'm not sure. But from our uh, study this morning, we're looking at where it was translated as mystery. So you see you're back there in that Greek. And you see, you know, this, this is one of the things, and maybe it's just me, but I really like sort of turning the pages and seeing how I can go from here to here to here. And a lot of you may feel be more comfortable doing that on your computer. It's, it's personal preference, whatever you like best. But you need to, how to know how to do this kind of thing one place or the other. <coughs> so you see, that's the two that, uh, that we're most interested in today. We're all ready to our first exercise. And we're going to take 10 to 15 minutes on this one because we're talking about, we've talked about the definition of mystery. We talked about God is using it in this passage significantly in this passage we're talking about today. And um, I'm going to come back and teach a little bit on it after you talk. And you can see whether or not uh, what you talked about is what, what I'll bring out a little bit later. But I'd like you, with the people around you today, to use your concordance. You may use your phone or the concordance in the back of your Bible to identify, since you can't read on, on that sheet I gave you, if you want, I could go back to that. So it's up on the screen, but maybe you'd rather have the questions on the screen. Use your concordance to identify other places in Scripture where mysteries are revealed. Now we're not talking about just the word mystery and what it means. We're talking about God revealing it. Paul being the chosen one to reveal the mysteries. So you're going to want to know where are they. And you're going to want to know, are, is there more than one mystery? Is there just one mystery? What is it? What are they? You're going to delve into the text. You're, the text that you have before you um, and if you brought your book, remember the book has all this text for Colossians, and it begins on page 6. You're going to want to look at chapters 1 and 2 in Colossians, because you will find these mysteries revealed in the text. This is taken out of the text, what he's actually saying. Not just, hey, I've got these mysteries. He tells us what these mysteries are at least to some degree in the text, but there's other places in scripture that you may, from your concordance, want to look at to say, what are these mysteries? And who were they revealed to? I've already said by whom, Paul in this case. And so what is the outcome of knowing these mysteries being revealed to you? And that's something you can just share with one another. So take 10 to 15 minutes now and talk about what these mysteries are and did, are, what are their meanings to you? So go ahead. You got the questions on your handout. So you would prefer that concordance up? Is that what you're saying? Yes? Is that what you're asking? 
Okay, I'll leave that up. Okay, for time's sake, I'm gonna cut off this discussion time and sort of pose a question without a, a, just have you think about this. If, if there are things that are mysteries to the, let's say, to the masses, and you have insight into the answers as to what the mystery means, do you feel special? You know, if there's something that you and maybe only your, like if, say, our church had insight into what some mystery really means, would we be special? Um, is there something about humanity or human nature that, that makes us want to know the answer to mysteries where everyone doesn't know that answer? The reason I bring that one up is because um, when we talk about counterfeit mysteries being revealed. I think that comes into play. People wanting to have some special insider knowledge. But here's a few things that I believe are revealed in the text. And as I said, if you looked at number four on the handout and tried to fill in uh, the answers or looked at any of those references, you would receive some of the answers that, um, to what was revealed. In talking to Robin, I, I learned that I used a term that didn't show up in the passage. It's incarnate. But that, uh, and she was looking for that word. She thought of it. She thought of incarnate. Uh, but one of those mysteries being revealed is Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh. The full description, especially as Willie taught on um, a couple of weeks in a row there, addressed this point of God in the flesh, the incarnation. Another one is Christ in you. Again, that's going to be talked about more in next week's study. So today we won't talk about it, but just identify it, that he is in every believer in the form of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Another one is the hope of glory, that glory that will be revealed in us. Somewhere off in that distant future time of resurrection. Another one is that all wisdom and knowledge and riches is hidden in Christ. Again, that'll be addressed in more detail in a future lesson. And the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. These are some of those mysteries that had previously not been identified and so that believers may not have had a grasp of these ideas. Paul was revealing them, primarily in Colossians and Ephesians, okay? Now, worldly or counterfeit mysteries. The Colossian church, what was going on there? You've heard this brought up already, this term Gnosticism, which was really uh, a philosophy that was running through the uh, churches that were being planted to some degree all over the areas that Paul went to spread the gospel. It was a, I'll call it a poison type false teaching that, that was uh, exist in existence at that time. And, and you know, we could talk a whole morning just about the term Gnosticism, but for now, I just want to identify it as a philosophy that centered on the search for higher knowledge, these deeply hidden truths 
that only certain people could understand. I'll call them the elite. And this rare knowledge could yield salvation. There's a lot more that could be said about what Gnosticism means than that. But it gives you an idea that knowledge is what matters so much. And how does that fit into the Christianity that was being spread? Well, first, um, that only some of this secret or mysterious information was to be shared with ordinary Christians. They were either incapable of knowing it or they were holding it to themselves except for certain things. It did lead people away from the true gospel and there were a couple key points that led them from the true gospel. It taught a different gospel, a different Jesus. Flesh and matter were evil. There was no incarnation as we talked about for those who believed in Gnosticism that the spirit was only temporarily upon the man Jesus from the time the dove, remember when he was baptized, the dove, dove came and kind of sat upon him, which represented the Holy Spirit. Only from the time of that dove event until the crucifixion, they would believe that when Jesus was crucified, that that spirit left him. So he had the spirit for a limited time period and Again, we could talk more and more about this, but we won't this morning. But it is dangerous heresy. I don't think it's that common in the church today as it was back then. But if it was true, then only a man died on the cross and it would have been an insufficient sacrifice. Okay, so that is the main heresy that was being addressed at that time. There were other things going on that were some false teachings in the church like angel worship and uh, following other kinds of uh, special rituals and holidays and all those kind of things that were also diverting people from the gospel but, but this was probably the main concern. Now today, as I said, Gnosticism is not a real big problem within the church. But some of the things that you'll see on this slide here could be. There are people in the church that are revealing mysteries. They claim to be Christians, but they're writing books, they're putting stuff on websites, writing articles, they're getting uh, even covered by the mainstream media. They get on the TV programs, some of these people. Movies are made, but they are mysteries in today's world within the church that are diverting us from the true gospel or our focus is if we follow some of these people and I'm not saying everything every one of these people says or does is wrong but there it is a diversion that we have to be careful about that may take us away from what is matters most to us with the gospel these hidden messages and Bible code and somehow this person who I've actually read a few of his books, Jonathan Kahn, anybody ever read any of his books about mysteries? There's a lot of mysterious things that Jonathan Kahn has somehow identified and writes books about them. Some of them may have some biblical truth to them, but it is a diversion away from what matters most. And so we need to be careful. When somebody gives you this funny way to interpret numbers and codes and Every sixth letter in this passage, if you put them together, it turns up some truth that was previously unknown or unrevealed. That's more what some of this stuff looks like today. 
So just be careful that there isn't somebody out there that diverts you from the gospel by turning you to something mysteriously uh, that is there, but only they or only their little group has been able to figure out. Okay, so that's something. All right, now we're going to turn to the other main issue that we were going to talk about this morning. This, I'll reread this verse, our passage, in chapter 2, 6 to 8. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Okay, so this is all about staying connected to Christ. And we talk about that often and what that means to stay connected. I don't have scriptures listed here, but among yourselves, again, for 10 minutes or so, talk about how you, and you see I'm emphasizing you, how do you walk in Christ and how is that consistent with scripture? How do you stay rooted in Christ? Again, consistent with scripture. And how are you built up in Christ? And are there other terms you think of when we talk about this connection to Christ? So go ahead, take, take about 10. Okay, let's go ahead and look at some of these things here that, that, that help answer some of those questions. So what does it mean to walk, be rooted, and build up in Christ? Um, got a few things here to help us with that means an intimate relationship to draw near and you've got the references that are shown up here um, I won't read all those right now we don't have time for that but it means hearing his voice we're his sheep and we hear his voice it means being conformed to his image which is something the Holy Spirit is doing us through us in the sanctification process and something we submit to being conformed to his image should be our goal. We should follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Stand firm on God's word. Grow in knowledge of Jesus Christ and being equipped for every good word, work through a lot of those things that preceded that on this slide. So that's just as some answers. I'm sure some of you have some good things too. And um, Let's kind of wrap up here and then see if we have any comments people want to make at the end if we got time. A little bit of application and self-examination is the way I just wanted to end today. Just some questions for consideration uh, for you to think about. Do you better understand the mysteries that were once hidden that are now revealed to us? Do you have a better idea what they are and why they matter? I guess as we study a few of those in, in coming weeks, you'll gain even a better understanding of what they can mean to you as a believer. Are you toiling at working hard to share these mysteries with others or will you now do that if you ever have a conversation? Maybe now you understand those mysteries in a way that you didn't before that you might be able to share with other people as a promise of God in which we can rest. Do you look to Christ in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge for answers to life's greatest challenges? keeping our eyes focused on him, are we doing that? And, and thinking he is the source of all that knowledge and wisdom. Are you rooted in Christ and firmly established in the faith so you can walk in him daily? 
And can you legitimately say that you're trying to pattern your life after Christ? Again, this conforming to that image. Got a few things that if we you wanted to do a follow-up to today's lesson, um, learn a little bit more about the concept of mystery and uh, also just this staying connected to Christ, this abiding in him. I don't know if any of you mentioned that term, which we use often around here, uh, John 15. You might want to read those three as a follow-up to today's Sunday school lesson. So uh, we're kind of wrapping up here. Uh, in three weeks, the reason I'm putting that one up and then I'll talk about next week is because I referred to this lesson that's going to come up. Um, today's lesson eight, lesson 11 will be counterfeit beliefs that have an appearance of wisdom and then some of those ideas beneath that. Next week, we talked about also, Ryan Finstrom is going to talk about what does it mean to be in Christ. Again, a topic that we've talked about before, but we can never talk about it enough because it's important and it's hard. It's, it's kind of a hard topic. So I think that'll be a great week together next time. So we got just a few minutes. Does anybody want to either ask a question or make a comment about this concept of mysteries or the other questions we had about walking built up or anything like that. So questions or, or last comments, anything? Anybody want to share anything about how you walk or rooted or built up? I listed some of those things earlier, but Maybe somebody wants to make it personal. Anybody want to say anything about what works really well for you? Amy? I guess we don't have a mic, do we? Good. Yeah, I think that is something that um, some of those things that are identified in those mystery passages are, um, they all seem related, but yet there's a couple that are different. For example, the, Ju the Jews, Israel and the Gentiles, all one. And it uh, doesn't mean we are one with respect to God's plan and how he'll deal with each of us. That could be separate things in God's plan, but yet from the perspective of eternity, we are one. Well, okay. Uh, that's sort of the answer to the second question, right? It, the main one for, yeah, using spiritual gifts. And that's one that I don't have up there on this list, but that's so true that uh, if we know what our spiritual gift is, 
we really need to use it, whether that's the one we're most comfortable in. A lot of us have a spiritual gift in something that we would prefer uh, not practicing that gift. We need to know what they are, though, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, that's good that um, you're walking away from him. He's there. Like we talked about last week, whether we think we're hiding our sin from uh, other people, we're not hiding it from him. An example. But he's also there to help. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's there when we need him. Yeah, he's always there to use. Paulette, you've got... That's good. That's good that uh, I don't have that on my list, although it can fit into some of these things. Other believers can help you hear his voice, help, help you in these other ways that are on this list. But that's a great example of how we walk and are rooted and built up. We encourage, we edify, all those things to one another. All the one another passages, in fact, we're talking about having a uh, Sunday school series that starts in January uh, that may be a lot of those one another passages. If you ever look up one another pa passages in the Bible, you'll get about 25 of them. I did that this last week. And uh, there's so many different things you can talk about on that one. But that fits in with what Paulette said. Okay, it's two minutes after 10, so I'm going to pray and uh, then we'll break. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time this morning for the... Uh, faithfulness of these saints to uh, want to know you better, to walk with you. We pray that you would help us in that endeavor to help keep us close to you. Help us to not wander away. We know you're there and we have a tendency to wander just like those sheep who would wander away. Help us not to do that. Help us to abide, stay close and in that way serve you in a way that pleases you. Pray that you're here among us for uh, fellowship as well as the coming service. Pray that your spirit is leading worship and teaching in the main service today. Uh, pray that uh, you would draw us closer to you through both of those things, teaching and worship in the Lord's table. And we just thank you, Lord, for this church and for the faithful service of so many. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.